Which next step is the best fit for your future? What can you do to accelerate your professional development? And how should you navigate different workplace challenges? I'm Kyle Gantos, and our team is on a mission to crowdsource insights, best practices, and action plans from accomplished peers, all who began their career in Big Four, to help guide you wherever you want to grow. All right, so uh, today we're going to dive into a topic that uh, I know I've struggled with and have a, a great appreciation for just seeing other people who are at the top of their game, and that's how to prepare for, establish a presence, take ownership, and, and run highly productive meetings. And um, I'm just excited to be here with three people who I think have very, very different styles, all very, very effective. I think this particular episode, you know, you, you talk to people and you know, got people who are, who are looking to run really, really efficient meetings be very, very productive. Uh, but we've all been in situations, or at least speaking for myself, where you feel like maybe you lose control or maybe you're not getting the participation you want, maybe getting some negative feedback. Um, and then just from that to anxiety and confidence issues. So looking forward to diving through all of that with each of you. Let's real quick, just go around and, and quick introduction. Tell us a little bit about your background. Ladies first, Sarah, if you want to kick oh, us yeah. off. Uh, I'm Sarah Richter. I don't typically sound like this, but we're coming off of our all hands meeting. So people of the internet, this is not my real voice. Um, I've been with Embark for coming up on five years, started in consulting before that was in big four, um, spent some time here in consulting, then switched over to our back office and our people team. And so now I do people development and honestly excited to learn so I can incorporate some of this stuff into my trainings. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we're going to learn a lot from you as well. And uh, I'm Daniel Collier. I am a FAS manager at the Dallas office. And I started out at one of the big four and then went to industry for a few years. And I've been at Embark for a little over a year now. Awesome. Thanks, Daniel. Jason Larkin. Uh, I've been with Embark for over two years. Started my career in big four. Spent about 12 years both on the audit and then on the consulting side and moved over to Embark. Served as our market president here in Dallas for a period of time and just stepping into a new hospitality role to continue to enhance the experience of our clients internally and externally. So excited to be here and think about this from a hospitality lens as we uh, run productive meetings. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, we've got different lenses, just, you know, the experience individually, but then on our teams internally and then to your point, externally with, with clients. Um, when we put this topic out, we gave people an opportunity to volunteer for it. Sarah, I'd just be curious, why, why are you passionate about this particular topic? We spend so much of our working lives in meetings, and I think we've all been a part of maybe some meetings that didn't go so well, um, and maybe some meetings that were actually really life-giving and productive, and you, you leave knowing what is expected of you, knowing what to do next. And so I think um, time is our most precious and limited resource. And so to use people's time well, the time that they're giving you, their attention that they're giving you, I think is really important. It's something I take very seriously. And so I want to learn how to make it better for myself and for others. I think I saw I'm pretty sure this was you, but I saw a while back um, and I hadn't gotten to know you quite as well. But I remember seeing like a flow chart of like, when, <laughs> when, do, when is the right time to actually have a meeting? And I was sitting there going, gosh, I wish I had this thing like 15, 20 years ago <laughs> yeah. because it could have yep. saved so many yeah. unnecessary meetings. Um, how about you, Daniel? Um, I picked this topic because there are many different ways to communicate and meetings are a way that allow you to really leave an impact and collaborate with your client and with your team. And uh, being able to do one well can really market yourself, but also further, um, further the whole team towards a goal. Yeah. yeah. And how about you, Jason? Yeah, so I think for me, you know, spending, as Sarah said, spending so much time in meetings, it's trying to understand what are those lessons that we have learned about how we can be better um, in meetings. And you walk out, I'm fortunate I get to spend a lot of time with Sarah in meetings, building out learning and development content. And it's always cool when you walk out of a meeting and you're like, man, that was a good meeting. Like, that was a good use of our time. We yeah achieved a goal, we moved something forward. And I think, you know, transitioning from, I have to go to the meeting, but I get to go to this meeting and here's what we're going to accomplish. And hopefully if we can share some of those things that we've learned about how we reframe it. So it's not a have to, it's a get to, and just being able to have that um, positive impact from meetings, right? And viewing it in a positive light, it's something that 
for me, um, more and more is the case here, and I love that. So I want to actually go to the complete opposite end of the yeah. spectrum then from that. Um, for each of you who, who could be our first courageous volunteer, but can you, can you think of a time where you had just a, whether it was your meeting or you attended the meeting where it was just a, the opposite experience? I think the biggest thing, um, I can think of a couple specific examples. I will leave out details um, for, the, for the individuals involved. But what I would say is, in all of the examples that immediately come to mind for me, it's the repetitive nature of saying the same things over and over again without yeah. coming to any sort of conclusions, right? And it's like, why did we have that meeting and what did we actually accomplish? And I think that's a common theme in the things that come to mind for me. Do you see that equally present with internal versus client-facing or, or, or is that... Uh... I think it's easier to feel like I can take ownership of that internally than externally, right? Ultimately in client service, sometimes that is what clients want, right? And from an internal perspective, I think there's ability to take immediate ownership more and then, okay, how do we figure out why that was more productive internally and then translate that to a better experience for our clients externally? Yeah, thinking external, and I'll answer your question in a second, but in our, we had a recent manager training and someone asked like, okay, what if my client's not doing this well and it's not a meeting that I run? And I think in client service, it's totally fair to say, hey, I see that meeting's probably taking a lot of your time. Would you like me to run the agenda? Just like offering, if you know you're really good at running meetings, if you see that something's inefficient, um, kind of flipping the script a little bit and saying, here, can I serve you in a way that actually is also kind of serving me because this meeting is killing me because um, you are not running it efficiently. <laughs> but you can say that nicely. Yeah. And then on the fail side, I in, when I moved internal here at Embark, we were kind of all over the place, just like growing really fast. And so we were trying to have this back office huddle and there was really no ownership. It was kind of just an idea. Uh, there was no set agenda. There was really no purpose. And it was a meeting that started late. You know, we do the five minute chit chat on the front end, um, went through a lot of iterations and just ultimately ended up getting eliminated because it was no longer serving its intended purpose. Um, I, I would say the iterations I was proud of, but the actual end product I said, eh, you know, Probably could have been a little better. <laughs> Not having a purpose in a meeting, never a good sign. No. How about you, Daniel? And then on, on my end, I can kind of think through a couple. I think all of us have sat there in a meeting in which you're like, why was I invited to this? <laughs> yeah. Was I supposed to take notes for everyone because yeah. I don't actually have anything to contribute? Am I supposed to be informed on what's coming up yeah. for me? So there is always that time where you're in there and you're like, I think I just got forwarded this and they might have picked the wrong Daniel. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the other the other piece is oftentimes if you're in a meeting in which either not everyone's informed on what the context of the content is going to be and you spend the majority of the time providing that context and setting the stage, oftentimes if you spend half the time doing that, you're not actually accomplishing what you got in the room to do. Yeah. So the front end of giving people the context and allowing them to prime their mind mm -hmm. on what the actual issue is yeah. can be helpful. Yeah. And then another big thing that, um, and it's it's one where sometimes I feel like the meeting's super productive and it's not until after I leave, I'm like, oh crap, like that was a bad meeting, yeah. uh, <laughs> is if you did not like understand what the takeaways should have been. Yeah. So you're like, we solved the problem, we figured out all this, yeah. but no one knows what the next steps are. And it's and it's a meeting again to coordinate now that we solved the problem. Like I wish we would have walked away understanding what the output should have been from that meeting. Yeah, another one is if you have uh, two people in the meeting who are having a really great time, basically just having a one-on-one -on -one <laughs> conversation and everyone else is like, what am I doing here? Either they tune out, they stop listening, or they're just like, okay, we'll just let these guys go. When no, you know you don't have everyone that's there involved. Oh my gosh, <laughs> all these things are bringing up memories. Um, <laughs> I, I don't and a little bit of shame, personally. Oh I'm like, gosh, oh, I've been the person a, who's a, done that. A ton of, um, mm -hmm. and then with Zoom, you know, with Zoom, I don't know if y'all ever just look around and kind of see how people are reacting. I know I've done, a, I've had some meetings or even presentations where I probably made six of the mistakes that each of you mentioned. No context up forward, no no walk, you know, takeaways at the end. And that probably explains why when I was looking around, people were checked out and doing other things because it wasn't a good use of their time, so. Oh. Or all those meetings where no one's 
has their camera on and everyone's on mute and only three <laughs> people are talking and you know some people are probably like why am i here uh -huh. other ones are like what the heck are we talking about and it's now the time to hop in and say what are we talking about or should we just let these three guys run with it uh -huh. you know oh yeah I'm, I'm i'm curious as you know what a few weeks ago we um a colleague of mine lauren we did a practice presentation yeah. you guys gave us some awesome feedback so it's yeah. i can only imagine how many people you've you've given feedback over the years but um what's what's worse being the, the person who's maybe lost control of the meeting you're not getting the outcome you want or being the person that's that's on a on a call and you're yeah. wondering what the heck's going on I think the worst is when you think the meeting went well <laughs> yep. and you're like, I'm awesome. I'm great at running meetings and everyone else is like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's mm -hmm. the, the worst case scenario there because uh, you don't have the self-awareness to improve it. But I've definitely been in the meetings where I can feel it slipping away from me. And that's, that's a pretty stressful spot where you're like, I know that this is not going as planned. And honestly, probably just need the humility to call it and say, you know what? I wasn't as prepared as I need to be. Uh, going back to time is precious. If I'm going to take your time, I apologize for not being prepared. Like I will give you your time back. Let's let's regroup later. I say that as somebody who needs to do it, not somebody who does it well. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that's been important for I think our culture here and for me personally is to acknowledge like you don't have everything figured out, right? And it's why I love this topic and I'm so interested in this discussion. Is you know. I have learned things about the way I engage in meetings from both Sarah and Daniel, and I've been in and around professional services for almost 15 years. And so this notion that you have it all figured out, at least for me, it's very clear I don't. And so it's like, okay, there are situations where that meeting didn't go okay, why, mm -hmm. right? And is it, I wasn't prepared or I lost track of the meeting and ultimately couldn't just call it, right? And yep. I think what's so cool about this topic is there is no one answer like mm -hmm. you're not going to walk away from this discussion and say oh if i just do these three things i'm good to go right because each meeting each set of participants each topic each whatever right requires a different concept context or different framework and that's the beauty of this is how do you take a mindset and a framework and tools and apply those to different facts and circumstances yeah. and you're always going to be learning and challenging on that mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, man, well, and then I think, you know, there's folks that may be very, very early in their career that they, there's maybe there's a feeling they want yeah. to experience, but they're not quite sure how or even what's going on. Yeah. I think if you have an ounce of what Sarah was talking about, which is some self-awareness or desire to improve, then hopefully the rest of this podcast will, will give you some insights, things to be mindful yeah. of. You said something earlier, Daniel, that was, you know, it sounds like, uh, and I've heard all of you mention this in, in some form or fashion, but really a successful meeting happens before the meeting. Um, yeah. Would love for you to get us started and then and hear yeah. some additional thoughts on it. I think all of this kind of goes into the mindset of being customer focused. Mm -hmm. um, everyone who you're about to meet with is your customer, whether they are your coworker or your actual client. Yep. They are someone who um, you are able to add value to. Yeah. And um, by being respectful of their time and taking the time to prepare, you feel better about yourself because you are prepared. You know what you're going to share. But also, they feel more comfortable. They know what's going to happen and they know what the output should be. Um, so with that being said, preparation is the biggest thing. And I would say the hours before the meeting are very likely as important as the meeting. Um, I know for me personally, I love to write everything down. I, I recommend no matter what, making an agenda, yeah. but oftentimes I will make bullets for myself and make notes on the agenda of, these are the specific things I want to make sure I get in. Because when you get in a meeting and you start talking, you may, I mean, I don't have, I mean, everyone forgets things. Mm -hmm. um, and it is important if there is something you want to say that you maybe have that in front of you. Mm -hmm. And you know what I've been really guilty of is making an agenda that I didn't share with anyone else mm -hmm. that I just kept, you know, oh, it's my agenda. I'm running the meeting, but giving it to people ahead of time mm -hmm. to give them the time to process and think through, okay, this is what we're going to talk about. If there's any action items, I can think through it beforehand, like giving them a little heads up to prepare for the meeting as well. Um, cause it's not quite as helpful if you're 
oh, here's what our time's going to look like. I'm going to keep it in my own head and you're never going to know. How often do you have a question for someone in the meeting and they don't hear about that question until they're in the meeting? <laughs> like think about like yeah. how much better their response will be if they have hours to think through, mm -hmm. hey, like Daniel has this problem. He wants me to help solve yeah. for him, but he's going to hit me with it ad hoc right now. Yeah. And that answer that was given hours ahead is going to have a way better response than yeah. in the moment. Absolutely. You mentioned just purpose, right? What's mm -hmm. what's the purpose of this meeting? And you you were articulating there's there's no three step playbook. Yeah. So I, I'd just be curious when when you think you want to put a meeting on somebody's calendar, is there a thought process that you do go through to, you know, think consider what is my goal or what, you know, maybe walk us through? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's always understanding what is my intended purpose and then trying to validate that with what is the purpose or the objective for other people, right? Mm -hmm. And that should ultimately inform who is there, what are we gonna talk about mm -hmm. from an agenda perspective, what level of prep do we need from, from people, right? There's, there's certain times where, or certain individuals like myself, right? Like I don't need or necessarily even want the two hours to prep because any decent ideas I come up with are only going to be halfway decent the first time, right? I come up with it and I think about it and then two hours later, somebody asks me to repeat it. It's not gonna be as good, right? It's just not. But I think putting people in position to be successful and I 100% agree, Daniel, that I think the default should be give people time to prepare, mm -hmm. right? And then those individuals have to know and manage how they're gonna set up to be successful in that meeting. But my purpose can be my purpose, but how do you validate that with others, right? It's one of the things I learned, I had an opportunity to sit on boards very early on in my career. And one of the things I learned is, there's a lot of meetings that happen before the board meeting. <laughs> those are more critical, right, than the actual board meeting itself, right? And all of those sidebars and phone conversations ultimately have informed, what are we gonna talk about? What are the potential conclusions we're going to reach? And that creates the purpose, right, of the meeting. But people are bought in before we even get into the meeting. Sarah, what under that under that context? And I'm thinking, okay, here's here's maybe a big, high level goal that I have. But to Jason's point, there may be multiple stakeholders that I need to talk to. What, when, when is the right time to schedule a meeting and communicate the agenda in advance with maybe an individual or a small subgroup of that larger group versus a Slack or a phone call? Mm, that's a good question. I think um, one, when you have, the timing is all about when you have the information you need. Mm. I also think there are some people who uh, a lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. So um, <laughs> if you don't plan ahead and you want to make it urgent for other people, I would check yourself there a little bit. I've been guilty of that myself, but I think when the information is complex and likely to have follow-up questions, that's when you need a meeting. But if it's a one-way information only, like you probably don't need a meeting. You probably could, a Slack would suffice, an email would suffice. Maybe it's a little bit in between. You'll probably have some follow-up questions, but it's mostly you informing. We've used videos where we just record ourselves communicating that information. I feel a lot more confident processing and consuming information verbally than I do in writing. Also, in this day and age, people don't really read through every word you say. They're more likely to glean a little more if you speak it. So that's one thing I like to do. But I do want to pick on Jason really quick as, because I have received, it was a joke, it was a prank, but I have received an email from uh, Jason, a calendar invite that just said, meeting, smiley face, no subject, no topic, just random time on my calendar for meeting and i would advise against that in general <laughs> i don't know jason did in, it <laughs> unless you have a strong enough relationship yeah. I would unless you're breaking agree. somebody yes, but i would 100 percent so. i i would like to add to sarah's just a little bit i think i think with that also like considering what your customer wants yeah because some people the answer is always a meeting yeah because they're that guy that's <laughs> um, <laughs> nice Jason. Jason wants a phone call. He wants a meeting. I love, but I think that's where, as you get to know individuals, yeah. mm -hmm. you take the time and effort. You can customize that experience mm -hmm. to them because ultimately, you're setting up a meeting because you need to tell them about something you need mm -hmm. you or want their 
thought process when you're making a decision, right? Or, you know, some other output. And so how do you best set them up for success? And that's the beauty of a meeting. If you can frame it in the right way, mm -hmm. you ultimately get what you need to move forward. Yeah. If you don't, you're unlikely to get what you need and what you want to accomplish. Yeah. My best meetings with Jason have been impromptu. Just, <laughs> just passing by. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, Meeting smiley face. Meeting smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> we've had some good scheduled meetings. Absolutely, yeah. And we've had some great unscheduled meetings. <laughs> I guess, is what, what's the difference between... I mean, are we looking at this purely through the lens of a meeting or would a presentation also fall under the, the scope of that? presentation would, yeah. 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 <clears throat> and I would imagine it would more than likely be multiple meetings to, to gather information before that. Um, are there any instances where you've reached out to a stakeholder ahead of time and then uncovered a piece of information or a, a question back to you that had you, you know, rethink everything else that was supposed to take place after that? Any examples? Well, I rethink my choices all the time when I uncover information. <laughs> um, let's try and think of an example. So one of the things I think that um, immediately comes to mind for me, so we <clears throat> as a firm host a quarterly town hall where people are able to provide questions. Um, and I will go through the planned responses with a subset of our leadership team. And I don't mean leadership team from a title perspective. I mean individuals that ultimately have insight into how this is going to be perceived across the firm. And we'll talk through like, hey, here's here's what I am planning to say. Do you think this achieves my intended objectives? How do you think this will be received by others? And that allows me to then tweak the messaging. Like I'm still gonna say what I'm gonna say, but I want to achieve a desired outcome. And so where I have trust with individuals who can provide that honest feedback, like, hey, no, mm -hmm. don't use those words, use a slower pace, you need slides here because people are going to read while you're talking, whatever it is, right? Creating those trusted individuals that can provide that feedback so that I can then when I get into this meeting, which is primarily a one way me talking, informing them about things that are going on in the firm, I'm set up much more for success, right? And so there's meetings, if you will, right? To validate content approach and discussion mm -hmm. before we actually get to the real meeting when it really matters. Have those relationships historically been like working or have you proactively sought out other people to, you know, crowdsource feedback? I think one of the things I try and do is identify individuals and Daniel and Sarah are great examples of people that are willing to have honest conversations and provide honest feedback, right? And creating a space where like, hey, no, that's not a good way to communicate. That's not a good way to run a meeting. That's not a good... You know, that needs to be written, not verbal, whatever it is, right? There has to be a level of trust that like, I am going to listen, um, consider, right? Not that I'm gonna take it all, but mm -hmm. that requires a level of identifying people that are comfortable enough to have that um, and then trusting them. Yeah, and I would say you did a great job. I mean, there's power dynamics at play, but mm -hmm. I think you did a great job of establishing that relationship and that trust. Like it's not Jason walks in day one and I'm gonna start shooting you straight. It was over time and multiple instances of being provided that opportunity that mm -hmm. made that mm -hmm. possible. And we're talking about meetings around meetings right now, yeah. right? Because those are great. <laughs> um, but yeah. I like I actually I do really love them, particularly in a team setting, because yeah. it is so important. And I love if I am at a client and my team is meeting with the client, having a quick touch point meeting before the meeting to talk through, hey, ma let's make let's just make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. Let's make sure everyone, no matter the level, if they have any questions, that they're answered. Um, it's a great time for people who are less experienced to get the experience they need before walking in and just have context before they walk in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then of course the meeting after the meeting where it's like, hey, you give people feedback on how they how they did, how you thought it went, and then the actual collaboration of, hey, this is what the client wants now. This is how we're going to divvy it up and execute it. Yeah. Um, I was gonna talk about meeting after the meeting, but you brought up the positive version. There is a definite negative version that you want to avoid of the meeting after the meeting where 
you know, people are just talking about how annoying it was or how unproductive it was. Or, you know, I, I've received a calendar invite or two for a post-meeting meeting that was <laughs> more of just a gripe session. And so you, like, how can we set up those times to where we do have that kind of follow-up of, hey, did that meeting give you what you needed? Like, I think that's awesome to provide feedback yeah. after a meeting. But to your point, those discussions could be constructive. Yeah. Like who needs to talk about to the guy who set up that meeting <laughs> to make sure that that meeting is one where we're leaving and mm-hmm. it might just be a power dynamic thing where someone doesn't want to express to that person, mm-hmm. hey, that wasn't a good meeting, but that could be a time to restore what that could be or change the method of communication. Because mm-hmm. I know that there was a meeting that I've been doing every week with my team. Turns out it shouldn't be a meeting. It should be a doc that we can all edit and then we should off to the client later. And for a while there, for longer than what it should have been, it was a meeting. And just getting that nonverbal feedback where it's like, hey, I'm the only one engaged. Mm. Like I should maybe change the method of communication. Yeah. Who initiated that? In, in that in that, you know, in that particular experience like, that you had how did you figure did, out were you like the you one were... that said oh. hey i think we should change this or like how did it go from this is a meeting we have that could be a shared doc to actually becoming i a think a lot of it was expressed through body language um <laughs> yeah. unfortunately and and then with how the meeting actually functioned like yeah. just saying like hey like some people are engaged some people aren't i need everyone to be engaged, but maybe it doesn't have to be something where there's any dialogue because mm-hmm. they can they can update their piece yeah. and we can get that moving. Yeah, I mean, that self-awareness is so key, right? Mm-hmm. Like I walk out of every discussion, every meeting, and I'm constantly thinking about, one, what can I do better? But two, what was the level of engagement? Were there good questions or were people just sitting there listening to me talk? And if so, is that really what we want out of that meeting, right? And that continual self-learning, self-evaluation, I think allows you to be better set up for the next meeting, right? Like, okay, what what can I control? What can I take from this and figure out what I can do better from it? Um, it's critically important. We've reached the midway point of this episode. Are you enjoying the conversation? Be sure to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom that can help you work smarter to level up faster. Speaking of which, have a follow-up question or future topic request? Email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com so we can get to work on creating content that'll help you get wherever you want to grow. And now, back to the discussion. Yeah, and as as somebody who, you know, may, may be self-aware, but certainly I don't know what I don't know, it's also nice to have people who care about me and or the firm or the client enough to come have a chat with me and say, hey, yeah. you know, I noticed on these calls, <laughs> yeah. putting people to sleep. No. Yeah. Um, I think that's in radical candor. Kim Scott gives the example of giving a presentation where she said, um, and as she's leaving the meeting, her manager gives her feedback and says, hey, your presentation was good, but you said, um, a lot and it undermined your competence. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out how we can train you to not say, um, as much. Who know? Like, who would have thought that that's the, the blind spot that she would have? And I think that's just, we need people around us to say, hey, man, your meetings are boring. Like, do better. Yep. Yeah. And well, and, and you come full circle if you're if you're brave enough to receive that feedback mm-hmm. and then put a little mm-hmm. bit of work into it. Now, you're, you, once you get the feeling of actually running a productive meeting, everybody wins. That's a good feeling to yeah. get to. Yeah. Um, I know there's different contexts of meetings where it's, you know, could be distributing information mm-hmm. uh could be like you know has this guy ever called a brainstorm session before <laughs> Never. um uh, or or q a um maybe some just general tips or ways to approach some of those best practices that can help you make that productive yeah i like to call those uh inform discuss and decide meetings so if you're informing it's like a status update or like just providing information we'll do quarterly town halls here where it's very one-sided. I think if possible, if the meeting environment lends itself to that, doing some type of round robin to get people engaged from the get-go. Like, hey, I know this is mostly me talking to you, but maybe there's a question. Like our our internal people team, I just got off this meeting and we'll do um, what's a high or a low from the week. Or we've said, what was a highlight from the all hands meeting for you? Just to get everybody to talk 
Because I think once you come off mute one time, particularly for video calls, you're more likely mm. to start engaging if you've had mm. to speak at least once. Mm. Um, and so that's one thing. Also, if I'm on a Zoom call and it's not, you know, a super professional environment, like if it's more of a friendly, we know each other, we have an established relationship, I'll ask people to take themselves off mute from the beginning unless they're in a loud environment. Because there's something in our brains that like if you have to hit the unmute button, you just won't talk. And I need people to talk. I need yeah. people to engage. I need people to, you know, give me body language and stuff. You miss out on laughs too. Yeah. Say something funny and everyone visually is laughing, yeah. but it's just not the same. Yeah. I try and be really expressive with my body when I'm on mute to just be like, you know, really shake my whole body when I'm actually, like, I'm not actually laughing. <laughs> it's not that. I'm muted. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. But I love the way you frame, you know, and this is something that one of the many things I've learned from Sarah is this notion of like, what type of meeting are we trying to have? But then also to add a layer of complexity, you can have multiple types of meeting within one meeting. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. being very intentional mm -hmm. about like, these are the components we're going to inform. <laughs> these are the components we're going to discuss. And these are components we're going to decide on. And so, you know, as you're going through this, like, okay, I need to be quiet and just be informed or mm -hmm. now is a space where you want for a discussion. Right? And it's one of the things I have a lot of individuals that will come to me in my role and want to have a discussion with me. And I try very hard, but what is it that you want from me as a participant? Mm -hmm. Do you just want me to listen? Do you want me to provide my perspective or do you want me to tell you what to do? And so if you can frame the meeting where people understand that, mm -hmm. then all the participants don't have to ask like, what is the role that you want me to play? Because whether you're leading the meeting or you're a participant, everybody's just trying to understand what role are we actually playing within this meeting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in that same vein of what role are you playing? I think the RACI chart, I think yeah. there's different acronyms mm -hmm. for it, but the responsible, accountable, consulted, informed, knowing who's in which bucket, knowing as a participant, which bucket am I in? If I'm in the informed bucket and I'm talking a lot, then maybe I need to check myself a little bit. Or if I'm in the consulted bucket and I'm not talking, well, maybe I need to be more forthcoming with my opinion. So I think that's yeah. another really helpful tool that works on yeah. multiple angles, but definitely helpful for meetings. And based on what you're actually wanting out of the meeting, like yeah. do you provide slides beforehand if you're informing? Because if you want them to ask questions, maybe that's something you let them know. Like, hey, like look at these, come, come ready with your questions. Or if you're trying to brainstorm, it's like, hey, I've already flushed out a few of these ideas and like, will just save us time. It'll prime y'all thinking like what I have in mind yeah. and y'all can come already knowing some of my preliminary thoughts mm -hmm. and you can build off of those, you know? So it's like, what do I provide can impact what you think the potential output from the other participants could be. And there may be certain times where you do just want to inform where you don't send anything in advance, right? There's been many meetings where I will not send the content because I do not want the individuals to go through. Like, I don't want mm -hmm. them to have a preconceived yep. notion before yep. I'm able to frame up, frame it up the way I want. Absolutely. So you got to be intentional about, again, I go back to purpose. I think it's so important. Like, what is my purpose? What is the purpose? And then how do we achieve that? But if you don't know what you're trying to achieve, it's very difficult to achieve it. Yeah. And I think having... Jason's the king of frameworks for anybody who doesn't know him, but uh, having a framework of questions you ask yourself to take you out of the details of a meeting, especially if it's one that you've done a lot of times, mm -hmm. to ask like, well, what am I hoping to achieve from this meeting? What does success yeah. look like in this meeting? What, what deliverable do I wanna have at the end of this meeting? And just trying to take it kind of to that strategic level, getting out of the weeds for a minute and giving yourself some questions can really help frame up, okay, well, my overall objective is to inform everyone on my team of where we're at, then I'm having an informed meeting. Okay. And it just helps you kind of frame it up from there and get down into the weeds. But I think we jump so quickly to the weeds sometimes that it's helpful to take it back up to kind of, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely king of that. Um, <laughs> king of the weeds. I, I need people to bring me back to, yeah. okay, here's, great. I, that's nice that you have 27 ideas, but what, what can we actually do? Yeah. Um, when you're when you're when you're talking about the context of like uh, I'm I'm here to inform my team, for example, okay. is there like a general time limit? You know, like you, you talk about attention spans, engaging people. Is there maybe a rule of thumb? Don't talk for more than X period of time. Find a way to 
mix in a little uh, Godfather trilogy intermission in there. Uh, technically, the human attention span right now, they're saying is like 12 to 15 minutes. I think that's probably even shrinking more with social media. Yep. Uh, so if you are monologuing for more than 15 minutes, you've lost your audience at some point. And it's okay. Like people will check in and out. You know, we've all learned that tactful way of being like, oh, could, could you repeat that? You kind of cut out when really you just maybe weren't listening to. You heard your name. You're like, oop, got to key back in. Um, but I think, yeah, finding a way to engage your audience again, depending on the type of meeting, about every 15 minutes we do that. Try and do that with our trainings because I think a training is just one really long meeting. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, trying to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I think it's trying to change, even if it's just changing the lens of what people are, who they're, who they're hearing from, mm -hmm. what they're hearing, pausing to allow them to think. I and mean, we, you know, as we build out trainings, it's very intentional. Like, there's no more than ten or fifteen minutes before you're pausing to reflect. We're switching speakers. You're going through an activity. You're talking with your table mates about the, the content, right? Because if you don't do that, right? One, they don't have time to process. Two, and it's something that, that we've talked about, you don't have time as the speaker to pause and reflect and think, what am I gonna say next? Mm -hmm. Next, it's very, very difficult to be leading a meeting, leading a presentation, while also thinking about what am I gonna say next for an extended <laughs> period of time. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can only do that for so long. Um, and I push the limits of that all the time, but the reality is you can only do it for so long. Mm -hmm. And then you just like, your brain is just not able to keep up anymore. Mm -hmm. You, I think you just touched on something which is, you know, and, and maybe it is contingent upon what type of meeting it is, yeah. but your ability to adapt based yeah. on how it's going. But then by the same token, you know, I'm sure we've all been in, in meetings, um, where, somebody who's just got a stronger personality um, you know, may, may, may end up taking control of that meeting. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you get it back on track? Well, I think if you've clearly stated your purpose, and you, I like to write down the purpose if I can. Like if it's at the top of the agenda and you say, oh, hey, the purpose of this meeting is X, Y, Z. Love that you're taking it there. Let's put that, like use the terminology parking lot or... Um, any other way to kind of just redirect them and say, we'd love to make time for that, but right now this is our focus. And by providing an agenda, it allows everyone in the meeting to have the ability to point someone to what they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't put the owning of that to one person, but anyone could kind of step in and say, hey, let's knock this out. Yeah. You've kind of derailed it. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to... <clears throat> Some of the most successful meetings I can think of are with individuals who I have a lot of trust with, right? Mm -hmm. Like Sarah and I have worked together for a long time. There is an incredible level of trust that when she says, okay, Jason, we need to pause on that. Like, okay, that's great. We'll do that, right? That she's had to develop a comfort being able to do that. I've have had to develop a comfort being able to listen to her, right? And that takes time. And so I, I think for, for all of our listeners, it's like, Take the time to invest in those relationships, in the people, get to know them so you can frame it correctly for them, but also so that you can have trust to have a discussion and say, mm -hmm. hey, love that for you, not right now, mm -hmm. right? And that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, and that doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that you don't value the opinions, but we are trying to achieve a state of objective. And I, I want to, before I forget, I want to go back to the adaptability. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned a lot of the meetings you've been into now, or been in. I can imagine that by having meetings before, a lot yeah. of this may work itself out. But I'm sure there's also been times where you're, you know, reading the room a little bit mm -hmm. or hearing the dialogue that's yeah. taking place and being able to adapt on the fly. Listening, like the importance of listening or even just observing if it's a Zoom call. Um, I remember some public speaking class so somebody a tactic they had was you know like walk around the room behind the room by the tables and if there's a couple people chatting amongst each other you'll get that to stop real quick and they'll be paying attention again <laughs> are there any other tactics you know maybe in whether it be digital environment or or whatnot that that can help you do that with the digital version of walking around a room i think 
being always being on camera because mm. nobody wants to be the first person like during COVID, i would every single time i would hop on and i would have my camera on and the reality is that was self-preservation for me because i know if i'm off camera i'm not going to pay attention yeah i'm just not mm -hmm. right there's another screen there's eight million things going on and so it held me accountable to always be on camera so that if i'm going to go do something else i'm literally going to do it in front of you and you're going to see that but one of the things I learned is I would hop on every single call and I would always be on camera first and inevitably two or three or four people. And then you get the only person that's not on camera is the one that clearly is not paying attention, clearly is not right engaged in the conversation. And that's okay, yeah. right? Like you can't ultimately change their mind, but I think if you can lead by example, if you can do the right things, even in a Zoom setting and say, hey, be really, would love for you to be on camera just so I can see your facial reactions. It's helpful for me to process. And that gentle nudge the majority of people are going to lean into that and just calling it out. Yeah. What about just general confidence issues? You know, anxiety. Maybe, it, maybe. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm presenting to a, a CFO for the first time. Maybe I'm I'm being brought in to present a solution uh, that's you know ten times the the dollar amount, and you know, there's a lot of people counting on me to bring in that business. Is is you know, I'm 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 thinking that preparation will solve most of that, but. What if it doesn't? Well, you took my answer then. I was going to say, I think preparation does knock out a lot of that. I think knowledge gives confidence. Um, How do you prepare them? I mean, do your homework. If you're trying to present to a CFO, if you don't, I, I would imagine uh, this is a person you've, either worked with before or maybe you haven't and you can ask like, well, how does this guy like to receive information? Yep. Like uh, I learned very quickly working on a client that the executive team loved a good dashboard. Like what they wanted was not a presentation. They wanted the quickest snapshot of the information mm -hmm. they could possibly get that got them straight to, you know, what's the bare minimum information that you can present that answers all my questions. Mm -hmm. um, and for them, that's what they needed. And so learning how they want the information communicated to them, visuals, you know, if you can add like a, a great visual, I think just that that's preparation. Um, and being really confident in what you're saying, knowing what you want to say, it does, I think, eliminate some of that and gives you confidence. And maybe you're not a public speaker and you just got to keep getting the reps in. Yeah. <laughs> I actually learned public speaking in front of three and four-year-olds in mm. my church group. I would teach the lesson to these three and four-year-olds and I just started getting reps speaking to little people. They're still people. They give you feedback. They tell you, <laughs> they tell you if you're doing a bad job or not. And it helped build my confidence um, speaking in front of other people. So maybe go find a group of three-year-olds to teach. I don't know. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that might be the, like, the most challenging crowd I could think of. Oh, yeah. They will tell you if you are yeah. boring them. <laughs> you will get know. up and walk yeah. out. Yeah. They interrupt you a lot. It's, it's quite a tough crowd. And so get some reps in and... You'll you'll get there pretty quick. I think I think also something that's big is on anxiety, like reps, and yeah. oftentimes it may be just talking in front of a mirror, yeah. seeing how you look, thinking through all that. Um, if you want the focus to be less on you, maybe if it's an appropriate setting, have it be more of a dialogue. Mm -hmm. You don't have to own yeah. the conversation. You'll get better feedback. You'll be able to react better. Um, and then she and Sarah mentioned having materials. You don't have to say everything. If you provide something that's compelling that they can read, they can see, it gets eyes off of you. It allows you to more so focus on the room and be more comfortable. And then of course, there's always beta blockers if none of that works for you. <laughs> um, so just get medicated. <laughs> that's awesome. The When I think about confidence, the thing, it, I don't know exactly when, but let's call it five, six, seven years ago, um, I realized that every meeting I was going into, I needed to approach as if I was gonna lead the meeting. Because mm. inevitably, I would end up leading the meeting. And so I had a handful of situations where you'd walk in and everybody would kind of look around like, all right, Jason, what are we talking about? And so I learned after a couple of those, like, I'm just gonna approach every single meeting like I'm leading this meeting. Mm. And mentally, whether I am or not, I mentally approach that. And so I've done that over the course of the back half of my career and i'm now in a place where like my mind just mentally prepares and maybe it's 10 seconds right like i've had enough reps that there's sometimes where like 
I walk from room to room and like that's me mentally preparing for the meeting and to lead the meeting. But I walk into every single meeting and expect that I'm gonna lead the meeting. Mm. And that gives me a level of confidence. So like, hey, if I was gonna run this, this is what I would do. This would be the purpose. Mm. This is what we would talk about. This is who we would engage. This is who would be here, et cetera, right? And oftentimes now, if that's not the case, right? Most of the time I'm being informed, I'm being asked questions, but I still keep that mindset of I am leading this meeting and it helps me to have confidence in the discussions that we go through. Mm. At the very least, you're that much more engaged if you do that. Yeah. But also this week I actually had a meeting in which I was in it. Yeah. I knew exactly what me and the client wanted yeah. from the meeting and my client contact who was leading it had to step out. Yeah. And there was the awkward 10 seconds where it's like, do we keep going? Because Michael left. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, okay, I know what he wants. And I was able to just pick it up and mm. keep it rolling. Yeah. And it's fine that he left. And there's certain settings where that's not appropriate. Yeah. Like if you need him yeah. to really call the shot on it. But if you are prepared and ready yeah. to lead, anyone in your team could ultimately step up and do it. Yeah. And how much better does your team look yeah. if anyone could hop in and be running that meeting? Which makes me think, I mean taking this opportunity to plea with people who are in meetings, be a good participant, like help the, it is a very vulnerable thing to lead meetings. Oh. It is not an easy place to be, to have a crowd of people looking at you. And so just be a kind and empathetic person and be a good participant, come ready to engage and give them that feedback in a kind mm. way if they're not leading the meeting well, because it's our time together. Let's make the most of it. Like <laughs> when you think about like asking good questions, right? Like if the individual doesn't declare the purpose, right? No one wants to be part of a bad meeting. Yeah. Like, Hey, what's the purpose? What are you trying to achieve? And how do we help you achieve that? Right? Mm -hmm. A lot of meetings can be a team coming together. And mm -hmm. so yeah. if the individual is not leading, how do you step in and support them so that they can be successful? Because how cool is it when you're in a meeting and somebody's fumbling a little bit and you ask that one question and they're like, oh yeah, this is what I'm actually trying to do. Thank you. And not that they would say it, but like, thank you for course correcting me so that I can be successful, right? Like mm. how awesome is that to be part of that meeting, right? And you don't have mm. to be, you know, a lot of this has been framed in the context of leading and that's important, but you bring up a great point. Like the participa participation can help drive a successful meeting just as much as the leadership sometimes. Yeah which I feel like I need to confess, I am very tempted by my computer when I'm on Zoom calls. So does anyone have like a good tip for how you reduce distractions? I'm so prone to like hopping from thing to thing and not giving people my full attention. I noticed that if I have my camera on, it's way more obvious that you're not <laughs> focused on the meeting than you think it is. Yeah. And I'll catch myself, like it's like they know I'm working on something mm -hmm. else. And yeah, just kinda, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like keeping your camera on honestly is a check for yourself as well. Cause yeah. you see yourself in that bottom corner and it's like, I don't look very engaged. Maybe you are, maybe you're engaged, but you should probably fix that piece. Mm. Or if you're off looking at a different screen, it's like, okay, like if I'm not reading something that has to do with this meeting, I should probably mm -hmm. rein it in. Yeah. You, I, I struggle with the same thing. Um, just this hardwired to, to be as efficient and productive as I can be. Yeah. But I, I do think sometimes like reminding yourself that and especially if you trigger your, your camera to be on, there's eight other people watching me right now. If I was the person presenting, do I want to see eight people who are listening? And then, and even if like, I don't know you that well yet, you seem like somebody who's paying attention. You seem like you're here to support me that might then help foster us to have a stronger relationship. And then as, as each of you has alluded to so many times throughout this conversation, the, the relationship is ultimately what helps everybody get to the next level too. Yeah. So I don't know if that actually solves the problem, but it, I think it does matter a yeah. lot. Do you have any advice? I feel like I need to just start sitting on my hands while I'm on a meeting, you know, just. I mean, I, I have to be very, intentional about removing those distractions you know you talk about the camera you know like i mean so i have a computer and ipad and i will close my computer i will turn my phone upside down like if i need to focus i will try my best to take the call on my ipad where i know if i flip over to slack or to email my picture will go from my face to just a pic you know my stock picture mm. so that is like 
a very intentional, I am no longer listening to you, I am doing something else. And so I have to set myself up for that success. But I also have to balance like, what is you know needed of me in this meeting? There are some meetings where 100% that is necessary. There are also some meetings where it is an opportunity to do multiple things. And you go through enough of them, you understand the purpose, and you set up yourself for success based on what is needed out of that meeting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is okay to multitask in a meeting. Like yeah. it just is. There are components of the discussion that are not about you, and that's okay, right? But understanding what that is, and this is where... When you get prepped and you think about like, I'm walking into and I'm gonna lead this, does this need my full attention? If so, I will physically remove those distractions because otherwise I'm gonna end up looking at it. I yep. know myself and I just can't. What if, what if you find yourself, you know, my, I, I feel like my I have probably the least amount of meetings of anybody in this group, but let's just, let's just say I've got, I'm afraid to throw out a number, 12 meetings on my calendar for a week. You're like, I wish I had 12 meetings. 12, <laughs> 12 meetings on my calendar, right? And let's let's just say five of them, history tells me that those probably aren't the most productive use of my time. What are some ways that I might be able to approach that to either make those meetings more productive or relieve my accountability for attending those meetings? Maybe we flip the script and if they're not sending an agenda beforehand, you ask, do you have an agenda? And if they don't provide you an agenda, maybe you make your own and be like, okay, well, these are the things I would like to talk about. I don't know. I think making sure that you understand why you're invited. Mm-hmm. Right. I think oftentimes we invite people out of like, oh, I want like, you know, would love to have Kyle's opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Do we, are we really at the point where we need <laughs> Kyle's opinion or are we still working through to then present to Kyle? Right. One of the things that, you know, I've learned, Sarah's taught me a lot about is like, you know, is this my Lego, right? Is this something I really need to be involved in? And, you know, I am trying to do a better job. I look at my meetings and I'm like, hey, do you all really need me? Like, I love that. I'm here for whatever perspective you want me to share. But like, do you actually need me or not? Not in a negative way, but in a, I want to be efficient with my time. I want you to be efficient with your time. And so, not doing that two minutes, and this is, I'm so guilty of it. I do it two minutes before the meeting, but how amazing would it be uh-huh. if you did that two weeks before? Like, hey, I see this meeting coming up in two weeks. Is this something that you really need? If so, what's the agenda? If you don't have an agenda, here's things I would like to talk about, right? Where you can get ahead of the game and plan and prioritize and set yourself up for success. It's so much more beneficial to everybody involved. I think I have two more questions. One, like My first question is, I feel like this is this is like a master class. But I'm but I'm curious as to was there a point in your career whether it be I mean I don't want to put words in your mouth but was there a point in your career where something you something new clicked and you just started becoming more I know I know you mentioned earlier where you're just in so many meetings I want to be prepared to be able to lead every meeting but is is there any was there a mentor was there like a crash and burn was there you know just just something that helped you go from i need to do these meetings as part of my job to the value of doing it this way is so much more impactful for everybody um i think from my experience um i moved into an internal audit role where i was leading a lot of meetings and and i did it a lot like a whole lot of frequency. Um, I always had managers in the room, so I got a lot of feedback. And it was something where I had a lot of refinement through reps and feedback, reps and feedback. And also I was in an environment where um, there was a lot of meeting prep and documentation Mm -hmm. that was provided before and after the meeting. And it's really helpful to have, like we had a framework that we even had an agenda template, all that stuff. And having that structure, while I don't think structure necessarily is always necessary, I think it's helpful, particularly when you're learning, Mm -hmm. to go ahead and say, hey, the meeting scope is this, the purpose is this, and like you have to put it down every time. And then you're kind of thinking through, okay, when I'm not using this agenda later on in my career, you're thinking through those exact same things. You're writing down the attendees one by one and thinking very, intentionally about each one as you add them to your agenda template. And being forced to do that 
for a couple of years really gets you to kind of hone that skill. I'm gonna sound like a broken record, but I think it was just reps. And I got those reps really early on in my career, I would say. Um, I had a great client contact out at um, Spirit Realty and he just, we worked together for a long time, built some trust and he really let me own some things and probably way before I would have been ready. And I think that was um, a really special opportunity to just get to sit in front of a room and kind of be thrown to the wolves in a way of just sink or swim, figure out how to do this. And I, I failed a lot along the way, but um, hopefully failing forward and continuing to do that and learning and, and Embark does a great job of giving us space to try new things. Like I've tried a lot of different tactics and will continue to do so. And um, the other thing is just being in an environment where people genuinely care about each other and care mm -hmm. about our clients. I want to honor their time as much as I possibly can. And so that's what inspires me. Okay, I have an hour of your time today. How am I going to use it? And will I feel like I can stamp my name on that hour and feel proud of the time that I took from you? I, love I think that. that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <clears throat> I'll double down on what Sarah said about the failure. You know, I think for me, um, I have a quote in my bedroom that I go back to often. It's, I've failed over and over again, and that is why I succeed. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, you're going to fail. You're going mm -hmm. to have bad meetings. You're going to be involved in bad meetings. And you can do two things from it. You can have the debrief calls where you complain or you can learn from it and get better, right? And for me, whether intentional or not, I've learned so much from my failures and the meetings that haven't gone well, because you, you frankly spend a lot of time in meetings, right? <laughs> Especially as you progress in your career. Mm -hmm. And so I would much rather continue to get better at it than continue to do the same things over and over again incorrectly. And so for all of us, right, Take advantage of those opportunities. Lead the meetings. Fail. It's okay. You're going to fail. And it's much better to fail early on in your career when the stakes aren't quite as high mm -hmm. as, as opposed to you wait and you're cautious and you don't lead the meetings and you don't do those things. You get to the point where, guess what? This really does matter. Mm -hmm. And you haven't had those failures that you've learned from. You don't have that confidence in yourself. And so that's um, that's been the biggest thing for me is having people put me in those positions and putting myself in those positions where I did fail and I did screw up and I learned from it and got better from it. To that point, managers, get your senior associates in a meeting, let them run it and let them fail in that safe environment where you're there to back them up. Like that's the, hmm. the best way you can learn is giving other people opportunities, which I've, I mean, I truly have been so blessed in my career to have so many people who've done that for me, kind of my safety net, like, go ahead, Sarah, give it a give it a try. And then they're there to catch me when I inevitably fall. But I think that mindset of just helping others grow into their abilities. Yeah. And because it's a process of refinement, make sure you're getting that feedback. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a manager that's in a lot of these meetings, like hopefully they're giving you that feedback. But if if they aren't, or if you're really good, be asking someone, hey, what can I do better? Because mm -hmm. I promise you there's always something you can be doing better. Mm -hmm. And um, people have thoughts and people will notice if you ask. Like if you go into a meeting and say, hey, I'm trying to improve, be mindful of this, yeah. this, and this. People will be mindful of those things and yeah, and give you feedback on it. And it shows you actually care. I mean, I had an individual reach out to me. Um, we had a meeting, I provided a very small, small, but tangible thing they could improve on. And they came back to me and they said, that's the first time in five years anybody's given me feedback about mm. a meeting. Like how sad, right, is that the environment that they've been in prior to mm. coming here? But the experience they had of feeling cared for because I took two minutes to say, hey, think about this, not that. Yeah. Right? Like it's another way in which we can show that we actually care about the individuals we're working with. You talk about like the recognition and the value of time, right? Like the value of seeing you get better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That can happen in meetings. And how cool is that? Something and this just came to my mind. Yeah. I used to have a boss and he was the head of Intraudit Group and he would before all of your meetings, you'd go into his office and out of love, 
Yeah. He would kind of grill you yeah. and prod and ask very pointed questions and yep. kind of yeah. get at every little thing. Yeah. And the client would never ask those things, but I was preparing to answer all those things. Yep. And it is crazy how much you learn in prepping for meetings rather than in the meetings. Yeah. Yeah. And even like going through your intro and it's like, are they going to know the context of where you're coming from? Because yeah. you just hopped right in there, Daniel. And it's good to have even the process on the front and not even yeah. feedback from the meetings, someone who you may know and feel comfortable with. If they aren't your boss, maybe it's just someone who it's yeah. like, hey, I want you to ask critical questions and try to get me a little tripped up just so I can practice. That's good. I love uh, that. So awesome. it's the, those are the people that you remember, right? That help make you a little bit better. And it's not a comfortable process. <laughs> I hate every day I knew that was going to happen. I was like, oh man, I need to not like lose it when I get in David's office. But if you're comfortable, yeah. you're not yeah. growing. Truth. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I want to try something out. It might crash and burn, but that's okay. We'll learn from we'll it. Edit uh, it. Lightning <laughs> round. Too long didn't read. In this case, too long didn't listen. Fast forwarded to the end. Okay. I'm going to throw out uh three different roles and i just want you to have all the things we talked about there is no end all be all playbook but what's one thing that somebody who's at that stage of their career should be mindful of uh lightning round so daniel we'll start with you on this first one this would be somebody who's first couple years early career what's one thing that they should be focused on one thing they should be focused on is understanding the big picture Early on in my career, one of the biggest things that I messed up was hopped right into the details, started talking about my test work, didn't talk through the big level picture. And if you're talking to a partner, if you're talking to the client, they may not know what you actually did, (laughs) nor should they necessarily know that. So I think early on, one of the big things is the art of framing mm-hmm. what you're about to talk through yeah. Yeah, and, and, just, and just getting a little bit higher level. Yeah. Um, I would say don't rush into the stage of your career where you're in a lot of meetings. Enjoy the season of life <laughs> where you're not invited, um, but be bold to ask for permission to sit in, uh, but just enjoy the time you have where your full day is not calendar invites for meetings. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I would say take advantage of the opportunities in front of you, right? Seek those out. Early on in your career, the failures are pretty small. Like, get excited about those. Put yourself in uncomfortable positions mm-hmm. and take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. Second person, uh, somebody who's just been promoted into a managerial or leadership role. And let's work our way back around yeah. this time. Pull other people up. Let other people get to have those opportunities that you got and be invested in other people doing meetings well, because guess what? You're going to be in meetings with those people and it'd be much better if those people know how to run a meeting well. You took my answer. That's, I would a hundred percent reiterate that and then just keep leaning in to get reps, keep, keep getting reps, keep failing forward and keep getting better. I think with this one, I was going to say exact same thing, but Um, What I would say is you may not be in a scenario where you're getting feedback. And this may be the point in your career where you need to start asking. I ask an associate on my job, hey, was I clear? Did Mm. you understand what was going on? And it's a combo of like, if, if, if I was speaking and he's letting me know, hey, I don't think they understood. And I'm focused on what I'm saying, not necessarily the body language. Someone who's a third party sitting there listening, hopefully they're adding in and supporting you. But they're also more engaged in what's actually going on in the room because their voice isn't yeah. crowding out their hearing. That's awesome. Mm, that's good. All right, last person. Um, seasoned executive, maybe C-suite, super polished public speaker, really dang good at what they do. What's one reminder that you would want them to remember, Daniel? That I am not that person. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that was funny. That was awesome. Um, let me see. We'll come back to Daniel. No, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, probably still pull other people up. Like, you have mm-hmm. all that knowledge. You have all that mileage and experience. Don't hoard it for yourself. Um, and also, you always have room to grow. Even at that level, there's ways that you can improve. There's technology that will change. I imagine many of our CEOs of America did not adapt to Zoom super well, so uh, stay adaptable. What I would say is oftentimes people in that place may not have as much of a feel for their audience. Yeah. 
Um, so there may be more thought that needs to be put into where your audience is, who your audience is. And it's easy when you're delivering a message and you're sitting on a, on a horse, you are, the, you are the guy, you're talking about inflation and how you're not going to increase uh, pay. Um, and it's easy when you're the guy with stock options and yeah. uh, it's not going to impact you. So having empathy, understanding Ooh, yeah. what something means to someone else because you are in a place of power, but you're also in a place where a lot of people maybe not be honest with you. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. they're, because of the power dynamic, they may not be as authentic. So it may be something where you need to understand who your people are to gauge the room. Yeah. And it may be things before the meeting, after the meeting, understanding how things are delivered because it may not happen as real time for you yeah. because of your role. Yeah, that's good. Bring us home, Jason. Um, two things. One, you don't have it all figured out, regardless of how much you think you might. There's always room to get better. Um, the second thing I would say is being aware that your words carry more weight than they probably should. And it's something that I've had to learn as I progressed in my career that right or wrong, people do hang on words you say as you progress. And you have to own that and be very intentional about that because some small comment that you might make in a meeting may be the only thing that someone hears from you as a quote executive, right? And um, is that the impression, the perspective, the thought that you want to leave that person with? Um, well, this is, I uh, haven't gotten a chance to know each of you over the past year or so um, and see you do what you do so well. Having this discussion with you helps me appreciate just how much has gone into that. And I'm truly grateful that we've had an opportunity to share it with hopefully a large group of people at wherever they might find themselves in their career. So Daniel, Sarah, Jason, thank you so much for your time and input. Thank Thanks, you. Thank Glad you, to be here. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. I hope you got a ton of value from our panel and choose to transform their insights into action and unstoppable momentum. If you have a follow-up question or a future topic request, please email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com. That's podcasts at embarkwithus.com so we can get to work on creating content that'll get you wherever you want to grow. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom to help you work smarter and level up faster. And lastly, if you're a repeat listener, consider supporting the show with a five-star rating so those algorithms can expand our reach and impact. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being here. Cheers.